0: Strange attraction, mass psychology, synchronicities, and occulted realities.
1: Welcome to the Friday Farcast, with Robert Phoenix.
2: Might just be the cold winter is coming
3: it's cold outside you don't know cold winter is coming for him it's either me or this cold and it doesn't appear to be going anywhere
0: and winter is coming you look cold,
3: boys it is a bit nippy winter is coming
4: winter is coming Winter is
3: coming. Mm-hmm. I'm cold. It's cold and it's wet. Winter is coming. You're crying because you're cold. You're a long way from home. Winter is coming.
1: I
0: imagine you might be rather cold. And winter is coming.
3: No, that's alright, I'm fine. You're not. You're freezing.
2: Well, winter is here. And of course, winter means Russ winter. And we're going to have uh, Russ on here in just a second and join us for his end of month appearance, uh, which I always look forward to because I really look forward to playing that intro. But before we do, we have just a little bit of business to take care of. And that, of course, is a shout out and a mention uh, to our sponsor. And that is True hemp science, and true hemp science, of course, is probably the best hemp solution or the best CBD solution um, I found on the internet. And just so happens to be that the guy that runs the business is a friend. And so that's where you get a real twofer, right? You find something that's really good for your body, your system, and guess what? you know it's one of your friends that actually um is engaged in engaged in actually uh, running the business which is great let me uh, let me take you into a true hemp science world so there we go there's the uh, homepage for true hemp science and if you are interested in cbd to deal with things like inflammation um sleep, lack of sleep, uh, general attentiveness, depending upon what type of CBD you're interested in. You can go gummies. You can go moon dust. If you're interested in topical CBD, if you're interested in CBD for your pets, it's all here. This is your one-stop shop. And if you're listening on the uh, podcast side of things, the place you want to go to is forward ref forward slash 23 that's true forward slash ref forward slash 23 and if you spend 100 dollars, you'll get free product thrown in and chris is always great at throwing in some free goodies like if you don't get any gummies he might throw you you know three or four gummies and a few other things on the side so you get that little It's it's kind of like christmas too you never know what you're going to get but you're going to get more. And if you spend $150 or more, of course you get free shipping. So what you want to do is type in 15 I N S. And that is your code to get the free goodies. And with that, let's uh, let's Terry not. And let's bring on our guest, Mr. Russ winner. We're going to unmute him. We're going to bring him on camera and uh, all the way from the uh Czech republic there he is there's the man
0: always got to get that uh, thing lined up right there we go there you <laughs> go
2: you, i guess i guess giuseppe was accusing joking of being, with me yeah, yeah the, joking the, with the, me the incredibly smoking and joking man. with
0: me you know because i can't multitask
2: yeah <laughs> well you're looking good so um give us a rundown of of thanksgiving in uh, prague thanksgiving was nothing Mm-hmm. There is right. no Thanksgiving here. What do you do? Because this is not the first Thanksgiving, obviously. You've been away from the States. Oh, how do you, I think how initially do
0: do I kind of sought out turkey. You could get, there's a restaurant that I kind I like called Caverna Adria, not far from here. It serves turkey. So I went over, I, I, I got some, their meal, some broccoli. But uh, just me, you know, there's no, uh, there's no Thanksgiving here. Right. I just got out, you know. I just got out of the friggin' hospital.
2: Yeah, I know. Got to, got to give some thanks for that, right?
0: I guess I don't know if my ordeal is over. I mean, I, I probably could give you some details because I, I, I think the people on your show are nice people. Yeah, they're friends of Russ Winter. Yeah. Uh, when I was talking about my health over there at Revolution Radio, there's a, there's a kind of a posse of jerks over there that really jumped on me. Yeah. Didn't want to hear it. I understand that, but that's okay. I just won't go back. Right. I just won't go back over there.
2: Yeah. No, but this is a this is a great group of people. And
0: um and, you know, pe- really... people have been asking me how I'm doing, and I've been kind of quiet, but the actual experience at the hospital, let me just relay it to you. Sure. So I go in there on the ninth for the ninth of November for the surgery, and I'm told it's gonna to be like two or three days observation in the hospital. They leave the catheter in for a while. And, uh, I, and, and I'm just kind of almost going crazy to get the catheter out, take the catheter out, take the catheter out, take the catheter out. It's kind of the aim of every, of all this. And then about the third day, next thing you know, I'm being wheeled into intensive care and they have a heart monitor hooked up to me. So somehow during the surgery, they'd released this really nasty bacteria into my system, into my blood. Yeah. It got into my lungs. I was getting pneumonia. On Sunday night, I was really in serious trouble. I just felt like I was getting pneumonia. I had a heart monitor. I had arrhythmia going on.
2: I had no. I had no idea.
0: Oh, it's unbelievable. How did that happen?
2: MRSA. MRSA is a thing, right? I mean, I, that's probably not what, what they named it, but that's kind of it's in that territory that kind Mercer, of like,
0: like sepsis. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was you know, I was just kind of uh, out of it. had no idea why they were t- – I thought they were taking me in to get my catheter out, you know, <laughs> just out of it. And I right. got a fever. And, man, that one night, they were really observing me. They had two nurses in there. A cardiologist kept popping in. And I felt like I was in really serious trouble. And, and they pumped me with six days – the next six days of antibiotics right. drip, intravenous drip, which – Killed it, you know, took yeah. care of everything and plus wiped out all my gut bacteria and no, just sorry. everything yeah. else. Biome goes to hell. <laughs> and so I got, when I got home, uh this isn't over. I know, you know, I, I was on that catheter for too long, four months. And so now I have uh, incontinence and I have to do exercises, try, try to restore my pelvic floor and get the muscles reset again. I don't know how long that's going to take. They don't really right. tell you. You know, right? Well, how long? For a, a month, three months? Yeah. What am yeah. I dealing with? Yeah. Right. Well, this is
2: one of the things now in modern medicine, is that um, they don't really want to be predictive because they don't want to be held to a potential outcome. Right. Like, well, you know, we're not sure. We don't really have a timetable for that.
0: That um, each and, patient is different. All this it, kind of stuff.
2: But, and I think a lot of it has to do with liability i think liability is a big part of it that they don't want people to um be on they don't want to be on the hook for making a proclamation and the proclamation is doesn't come true right i would say this though i think you're even though it sounds like it's it was really an ordeal i think you're lucky you weren't in an american hospital
0: Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Because uh, they, I, I, they released you real quick. That's right. They send you home right away. That's the, that's what my son was
2: saying. Well, in an American hospital too, though, I think the, the chances now being managed out are far greater, right? Yeah, like, because like, they'll, send,
0: they'll send you home and then next thing you know, you're at home in big trouble.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, if you go back and you look at um, the creation of Obamacare, one of the people that was involved in the creation of Obamacare was Zeke Emanuel, like one of the Emanuel brothers, like Ari Emanuel, uh, Rahm Emanuel, Zeke Emanuel. And I remember, I remember during that time and really following where things were going with ACA and Zeke Emanuel is like, he's talking about like death panels, right? This is the guy who's writing Obamacare. And, and, and then he just recently what about, about a year ago, during COVID, he said, "Well, nobody should really live past more than uh, 66 or 67." I don't plan on it. Oh, right. Well, we'll see where you are after that. But this is this has been this has been hardwired into the American healthcare system. Now, you get to a certain point, and you don't line up like with the actuarial. You get managed out, right? So I think yeah. you were actually.
0: Well, I think so, too. I think they saved my life because I, I, I think I was in big trouble on that Sunday night. And yeah. they really got hit me real hard. The only problem with here is the language difficulty and not really understanding what's going on.
2: It's right. Confusion. Right. Well, now you have the spirit of big techs watching over you <laughs> while you
0: rehab, right? yeah he went through a lot of this prostate stuff too so right you know thank and, you dad thank you very much yeah and according <laughs> and according to you
2: big text didn't have a whole lot of he didn't have he didn't have a whole lot of patience with dogs from what i understand right, right? right. if people don't know what i'm referring to but yeah you know? You're,
0: you know you're probably right if this is in the united states i would have gone home too way too early and probably had a bad outcome really bad oh, outcome right
2: then you would have gone back again and then you would probably would have but, I, but back.
0: I needed to be in there a lot sooner taking this catheter out i mean if anybody goes through this in the future make sure they get these catheters out don't let them leave them in there for four months because oh, now you're are, are you new, god i can't even set imagine of that. problems yeah whole new I can't, set I can't of problems. Imagine that.
2: yeah well we're, we're glad you're here we're thankful russ that you're here with us today and uh, creating content on your website and we get to talk to you once a month here so you and i've been talking about this for a while and uh, we're going to start off with uh, sigmund fraud and um, just man, i mean where do we even start with freud i mean this is a guy that lays down the theoretical psycho- psychoanalytical map for the 20th century
0: well, i think right? we start with his mental his own mental condition and okay. what a neurotic, strange, feminine, Jewish man in the, really the lowest order.
2: Yeah, why don't uh, we start there?
0: He, I mean, he's just a freak. He's kind of like a little bit like Alfred Kinsey, which we've discussed. We've, we've discussed. If anybody right. hasn't heard that interview. That was a classic that we did. Yep. And it kind of ties into the same brood of characters. But he is... From an early age, his personal neurotic dysfunctions manifested themselves in unusual behavior patterns, psychosomatic ailments, particularly affecting the mouth, genitals, and the anus. So that sounds very Kinseyan, too. So at the age of seven, problem child Ziggy walked into his parents' bedroom and deliberately urinated on the floor. He fainted often, he suffered lifelong indigestion, constipation suffered severe phobias about riding in trains, about death, about visiting Rome. More often, more often than not, he was chronically depressed and bad temper. He had no love of, of humanity. He looked, right. at it, he looked at humanity as uh, specimens or... He was a psychopath.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly...
2: Well, how would I describe him? Um, psychopaths, I think there's an interesting difference between psychopaths and sociopaths, and this is this is how it was described to me once is that psychopaths will do something that is egregious or uh damaging, socially um out of line. But at times psychopaths, will actually um, display a quality of remorse or they'll display this weird quality of regret, but they can't help themselves. They continue to be on this path of, of doing damage to others, but it's not as if they don't have this weird relationship with the thing that they do, whereas sociopaths don't have that. Sociopaths are able really to compartmentalize and and either explain away their aberrance or forgive themselves for their aberrance. So I think Freud is probably more in the sociopathic
0: realm in that he he can lie to himself. Right. He can lie to others. Well, he, he didn't have any emotions, which is kind of a classic sociopath and that's right. Trait. Yeah. He didn't, Yeah. He just didn't care. <clears throat> he yeah, he really didn't. Yeah. So he goes to the University of Vienna in 1873. It took him three years longer than normal to complete his medical studies. His doctoral dissertation was on the spinal cord of lower fish. I think that says a lot.
2: Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) Focused on the studies of the testicles of eels. So so the the guy's a degenerate.
2: It's so Uh, weird. It's so weird that this is the training ground for psychology, right? For psychiatry. Like that's the training ground. The testicles of an eel. (laughs) It's like it doesn't get much more primordial. Yeah. In all fairness,
0: his biggest some of his biggest critics in later years, the people really unloaded on him, are Jewish. I'll have to mention that for some people to think that this is all. Well, what's interesting is he 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 declares himself an atheist. Yeah. Right. He's a Sabbatian Frankist. What he is. Well, he, he
2: shares that with Marx. He and Marx have the same kind of relationship and background. With their 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 um their their Jewish ancestry and their uh kind of you know traditional Jewish brethren, like Marx rejects it marx Marx comes from a family of, of rabbinical scholars and teachers, and it starts with his father and trickles down the Marx and then they're they're out, right but the Sabbatean part kicks in. it's like we're going to be uh antithetical. We're we're going to be the uh, the outcasts, and and Freud is in the same camp.
0: Yeah, the psychoanalyst Sándor uh, Ferenczi reports a statement by Freud that Freud said to him in 1932 that he referred to his patients as rabble, and only good for money earning and studying. So that's that's sociopathic, right? And then he became, in effect, a snake oil salesman. He'd been experimenting with cocaine, really big on cocaine, experiment and using it on himself and his fiance, Martha Bernays. Of course, the Bernays name is very uh, big in all this as well. Yep. And he called uh, cocaine his magic carpet. Eventually, thrust it on all, including sisters, friends, patients, colleagues, everyone. So that I mean, that's his big claim to fame. Right. And it's funny that that they just hide all this.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it it all gets washed over. It all gets washed over and buried because let's just, you know, let's play the game here. If you go into Freud, the foundations of his theories, who he was, his motivations for doing things, which were really based on money to keep himself in cocaine in a lot of ways. It would undo the entire foundation of psychoanalytical theory and practice. Like, what would that do? Right. It invalidates like decades. Whole industry. Yeah. Whole industry. Oh my God. It's crazy. Right. It's crazy. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, for Freud is, he's that one little piece. Like you pull on it you tug on it. Everything comes tumbling down, by the way. Uh, Karl Marx was born on May 5th, and Freud was born on May 6th. So they share a very similar birthday. And they're and astrologically, that makes them both Tauruses, so they're both very into
0: materiality,
2: right? And the biggest right. thing for Freud, besides cocaine, was money. Was and sex,
0: really- and, 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 de- and deviant sex. Yeah, yeah. That's true. He
2: was a big tobacco head. He loved smoking. And he was very into cigars, right?
0: Yeah, and so is Marx. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them were so anyway. Martin Martin Gross, the author of The Psychological Society, writes that no one has yet evaluated the hallucinatory effects of cocaine on Freud's mind during the formative years of psychoanalysis. Really? How come? Why haven't you you evaluated that? Seems pretty fundamental. Somebody probably probably should write a thesis on that one. Of course, it would be rejected. So Freud's friend, Ernest von uh, Markov, had become a despairing addict after Freud had prescribed cocaine as medicine for a hand tumor. And there's no doubt the addiction brought about his early death, a friend of his. Uh, Michael Onfray, an author who wrote a comprehensive and critical monologue on Freud in 2010, documented deaths from his gross misdiagnosis and quack treatments. Uh, he went to Paris to study under the French neurologist Charcot. Charcot was interested in the study of hysteria.
4: Right. That was, his, that, was his, that was
0: his mentor. Right. And hysteria yeah. involved women mostly. Right. So, Kind of an affliction caused by irritation of the womb. Yeah, Short, that, Charcot believed that hypnotism was the answer to such personality dysfunction. Not, you no, know, hypnotism is a tool. I, I mean, I'm not going to say that's not a factor. But he well, uh but, me, mesmerism was
2: really big back then. Like this whole thing with Anton Mesmer was huge. And it, it was more common in a lot of ways than people understand. He had a huge impact on um, medicine and metaphysics, so that doesn't surprise me.
0: So then he plagiarized his, a colleague, Joseph Brewer, and collaborated on a book, Studies in Hysteria, which is kind of was kind of the ground, the, the ground uh, establishing the font or the ground for uh, psychotherapy. Talking to people, you know, talking to them calmly and bringing out their so-called uh, suppressed thoughts. So they're really into suppressed, uh, repressed thinking.
4: Right.
2: Yeah. Well, the you know, you and I talked about this. Maybe he was on uh, the last show or the show before uh, the last one, or maybe it was in private. I forget. But Freud discovered that when he was working with the young woman of Viennese society, so a lot of his clients had money and they would send their their daughters to him because they were experiencing what? Hysteria, right? And when he found out that the reason why they were experiencing hysteria was that they'd been sexually molested, um, he figured out what was wrong well, there's a reason why your daughters are all flipped out. It's because you've diddled them. I have it. I figured it out. And then he went back to some of those uh, parents and confronted them and it didn't go well. And he realized that if he was going to continue to have clients, which was his bread and butter, he needed to come up with a theory To explain away why they're experiencing hysteria, and that was the Oedipal theory, and and so the Oedipal theory comes out of a cover up, which is basically, you know, sexual molestation and predation from the parent to the child.
0: Yeah, and he had to come up with other stick too, because I mean he had, for instance, this quack notion that again he he borrowed this from his associates and. In- So he had a homosexual lover, Dr. Wilhelm Fleiss, an ear and nose doctor. So he he figured out that sexual dysfunctions were caused by disturbances in the mucous membranes of the nose. And Freud had Fleiss operate on his nose for nasal infection as an experiment. And so not surprisingly, he continued to be plagued by bad health, migraines, nightmares, heart trouble, and eventually mouth cancer, which is related to smoking we just mentioned.
4: Right. And then right. towards the end
0: of his life, he suffered a severe operation of the jaw, resulting in his upper palate being artificially replaced. So he didn't take good care of himself at all.
2: Well, he was um, high and blow most of the time. He thought he was indestructible. Right. right. <laughs> and,
0: and then he even, turned to the interpretation of his personal dreams. And he had this Freudian tendency to focus on himself and his own bizarre thoughts, very much like Kinsey. So he transferred his, his own degeneracy and strangeness and apply it to the world just like Kinsey did. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. both those guys did it very successfully and then we're living this, this to the day, to the very day and it's kind of a lot of how modernism works and how modern thinking works.
4: Right, so, yeah. You you know, one he... dream
0: he claimed to experience was with two bird men laid his mother on the bed. He theorized this represented his boyhood desire to kill his father. This is the edifice complex. Right. Have sex with his mother. Uh, come on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Two bird men. Okay.
0: and, and, and uh, You know, yeah. come on. I mean, you, you know, the only, only time you ever hear something like this is, you know, are these serial killers? That's about it. They think. That well, way.
2: I mean, cl- I mean, you bring up a really interesting point because it, clearly. Freud suffers from some deep pathologies. And it's, instead of um, acting out on them and, uh, you know, either being a serial killer or or somebody who's a real threat to society, what he does is he seeks to legitimize his pathologies and then make a career out of um, trying to heal those pathologies and others which I don't know if one is worse than the other, right? I mean, one, you get a serial killer or somebody who's uh, just a complete nutter, raging sociopath, or you get somebody who has somehow found a way to uh, tame those bizarre impulses, and then create a career out of them, thus ruining the lives of other people along the way. I don't. Yeah, I don't I mean, know what's better mean, or worse. Well, honestly,
0: I, mean, I think Freud affected a lot more people.
2: No, I think he did too. You know, I mean, the other thing he did, and I wasn't aware of this, but when he would have these hysterical women come to him, he would outsource them um, to uh, like this one guy who was a gynecologist, right? And the, he, the guy would. I give them hysterectomies and clitorectomies to deal with their hysteria. Like this wow. is this this is how like they would manage stuff like this back then. Wow. It, it,
0: completely barbaric. Yeah, he he says that uh, he puts forth that most people were inherently bisexual. That's Kinsey again. That's exactly his philosophy. Yep. And from the, get, from the get-go, the he began to develop the almost inevitable Jewish characteristic of the fear of anti-Semitism. So these people were just paranoid about this anti-Semitism. Yep. And so he he really incorporated into people's psyche. And so he adopted his boyhood hero, Hannibal, who he managed to be a Semitic hero who fought against the era's traditional anti-Semites, the Romans. And Oliver Cromwell, who identified with the emancipation, Jewish Emancipation Movement, and he, he, he had a neurosis about going to Rome, so he would travel to Italy a lot, but he never was able to visit Rome. Uh, in his book, he described how often he dreamed of conquering Rome, just as his hero Hannibal had tried to do, and he offered the following explanation. To my youthful mind, Hannibal and Rome symbolized the conflict between the tenacity of Jewish Jewry and the organization of the Catholic Church. Thus, to wish to go to Rome and become my dream, like a dream life, a cloak and symbol for a number of other passionate wishes. Their realization was to be pursued with all perseverance and single-mindedness of the Carthaginians. But he, he never made it to Rome. He couldn't overcome his paranoia.
2: Yeah, that's that's uh, weird. Yeah, it, is that weird is, it is weird. And Hannibal, if I'm not mistaken, was from, was it from Tunisia? Right, he, Carthage. They, Car- and he was, from what I also understand it, he was probably black,
0: right? I think. Well, Hannibal- I, think that, I think the uh, I think the the Carthaginians were a kind of extension of Phoenicia, so they were actually from that sort of Holy Land or Middle East neck of the woods, probably t- and probably somewhat in in an ancient sense probably tied into the Hebrews, right. So then he then he argued that humans go through different stages of sexual development: the oral stage, which infants derive pleasure from sucking on their mother's breast. All right, maybe, but then the anal stage, <laughs> where pleasure focuses on bowel movements. Yeah, and then the phallic stage, where the erogenous zone switches to genitals. And so he's just yeah. focused on this shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. I mean, the the whole the whole backbone, the whole spine of the modern psychoanalytical psychoanalytical movement is derived from somebody with serious pathologies, really serious pathologies, and covering them up. And even with like hysteria, they found apparently that some of the women, besides being molested, some of the hysteria was actually rooted in some form of an organic disease or, or disorder, right? Like there was actually something going on in their body physically that was causing them to have these hysterical bouts. And even when they found out whatever, whatever that was, it could be a lack of like a certain, I don't know, um, mineral or vitamin or whatever, whatever it was, even when they found out that, um, that was the case, Freud refused to, uh, redact his theories on hysteria, right? It's like, it's right here. This is one of the reasons why you treat this person with X, Y, or Z, and they get better. It has nothing to do with what's going on in the
0: deeper recesses of their psyche. He refused to do that his first diagnosis of the oedipus o- 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 complex was his the 5-year-old boy in 1909 he felt that the boy was afraid of horses which he says is a penis symbol because he really feared his father he feared the horses would bite off his own little penis fear of castration by his father what yeah freud obviously experienced o- Oedipan lust himself a disturbance that non-freudians such as child psychiatrists stellar Chase of New York University believes only affects a very small number of children, but Freud then suffered the delusion and his abnormality was normal in university. Well, that's Kinsey again. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and probably more than just Kinsey. I mean, there's John money. There's all these freaks, right? All, so, the, all these, all these freaks that are really in power and control the world now.
2: Well, it it's interesting because they they were um, advanced through the uh, promotion of aberrants, right? I mean, this is this is how they were advanced. If they weren't advanced through the promotion of character or morality or um, self-determination, right? They were all advanced because they were on the ground floor of some form of aberrants and that's what they have in common.
0: Yeah, he said that he he argued that severe depression was narcissistic because it is a form of hatred against others it because it's misdirected against oneself and the count of the social taboo on open displays of hatred against loved ones. Uh, eventually he concluded that the aim of all life is death. So basically he formed a death cult. Yeah. private at a condition that is totally devoid of all tension stresses restraints, well, yeah, death will kind of relieve you of all that. Yeah. Uh, and when the National Socialists took over in Germany and Austria, they, he got his comeuppance, his books were declared heretical, publicly burned. He was attacked by the National Socialists as the founder of Jewish, what they called hypocriticalism, hypocritic- a creed that humiliates man as being an appendage to his sexual organs. Since his death in 1939, a chorus of analysts have chimed in on Freud and like I say mostly Jewish have really unloaded on him. Interesting. Uh, so when his biographer first met him, he observed I dimly sensed some slight feminine aspect in his manner and movements. Modern critics say that well he was bisexual. Right. Modern critics suggest that present day freudian's are influenced by freudians feminine passive feelings so much that they regard Masculine assertiveness and aggression is a neurotic manifestation. Well, isn't that true of how people think today?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Interesting.
0: He, he said that Voth's claim that uh, his entire profession, by making what he called the neurotically troubled Freud, a model. These driving needs have infiltrated the psyche of millions of people as well, as well, making much of our personalities in his image, by offering his catalog of foibles as a symbol of normality, Freud achieved immortality. He has successfully projected his personality and style of thought onto much of humanity, especially the impression, impressionable American psyche. We all have, some wittingly, others unwittingly, become the children of Sigmund. Hostility was pinned up inside this almost shy, feminine man like a cage feline. He was an angry soul which hated even when it loved a trait for which he passed down to us as ambivalence. He perpetually read in conscious hostility into his cases, uh, including that of Dora, the wolf man, the rat man. He, I mean, he made up these weird characters and kind of magical, uh, imaginary figures, people, mm-hmm. spirits.
4: Right right yeah he did this yeah. even
0: over the the reasonable objections of his patients who said they felt no such hostilities so if the patient didn't go along with it he would just say, tough shit this is what you think
4: right right
0: uh he he, he later said i don't want psychoanalysis to become a jewish national affair since too many of us are jews however psychoanalysis is so much grounded in metropolitan jewish life that gross who was a jew reported that 11... Central states do not have a single central states do not have a single psychoanalyst. One Manhattan office building houses more psychoanalysts than seven states combined. The two major analytical capitals are almost three thousand miles apart: Manhattan and Los, and Los Angeles. Curing a patient is commonly called bringing him to be a minch. <laughs> That's so funny.
2: Then there's,
0: Israeli philosophy, philosophy professor Leibowitz went even further and held that Freud's psychoanalysis is primarily a Jewish money making scheme, and that that is a bad sign for us Jews. He went on to say the psychoanalysis, entirely in the hand of Jews, has brought unspeakable suffering to millions of people. Uh, oh, then a guy, then then there's a surprise. Then another Jewish guy, Jeffrey Mason, was the project's director. Oh, Ge- the-
2: Jeffrey Mason Musief. This is the guy that really blows Got the lid. It. He blows yeah. the lid on
0: Freud. Yeah, because he was the director of the Freud archives. He had That's full right. access to his correspondence and his yep. unpublished papers. And so he, his findings turned him against Freud. He said he turned up, you know, covered up child abuse as an issue. Claim that Freud lacked the guts to contract the reality of sexual abuse. Exactly what you said. That's right. He was kicked out of psychoanalytic societies for his views, meaning Mason. Yep. So you you can't criticize this skull dug, just
2: No, and Mason yeah. for you know. For, you know again, if you want to look at, um, you know, the argument that you're putting forward, uh, Jeffrey Massam Musyev is also Jewish, right? right? So it's not like, oh, here, here's here's a non-Jew taking a whack at a Jew, right? This is a guy who clearly is, like, troubled by what he's uncovered. Well, he was you know,
0: initially a fan. Why else was he picked to it be? It was front his front life address. work, you, yeah. you know? And then he go, finds out what this guy's really all about.
2: Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's like, you know, kudos to him. I, I, can't, I can't turn a blind eye to uh, Jeffrey uh, Mason Musyev is an interesting character, um, because he when he was young his parents um, had befriended this mystic named Paul Brunton and Brunton lived with the family and he 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 had convinced uh, both the parents and uh, Jeffrey that Jeffrey was actually a spiritual avatar right so he's got his own like weird backstory with, like his strange upbringing and everything, which he ultimately rejects. So he not only rejects um, his Freudian training, his relation with Freud, but he also rejects this kind of weird, like thing that goes on in his youth where Brunton claims that he's going to be an avatar. He's a very interesting character. And one of the things that he had at his disposal um were the full i believe the full and unredacted letters of freud which is where right. the smoking the that's right. where the smoking gun is is his
0: letters yeah all the skullduggery he's got to see firsthand so yeah so freud is his work has been spun into twisted offshoots and side alleyways like the frankfurt school definitely comes out of neo freudianism that's right And personified by Herbert Marcuse, who repackaged the Freudian crack pottery into a stream of consciousness book entitled Eros and Civilization. Yeah. And Marcuse argued that the old roster of Protestant capitalist ethical vines like productivity, achievement, responsibility, respect for one's fellow man, masculinity, inner strength, integrity, were conformist and therefore repressive under the inverted Freudian model. So they got this, there's your repression model that they've developed yeah and oh, man, they have really gone that has not faded away amazingly enough it's been kind of brought you know dusted off and really put uh forward aggressively and and put sort of these post-modern times
2: right yeah and then we we see the byproduct of freud's um ideological and biological offspring and his daughter Anna, who becomes a major psychoanalytical force um in America post post Freud. Anna Freud is huge. And she takes up his work and um one of the things that was very well, she, common... she
0: was almost kind of like a dictator. So if you didn't follow oh, the yeah, she she was company line you know one hundred percent she would ostracize you and Uh, kind of early council culture.
2: So uh, a lot of people are familiar with this documentary, but but if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's called uh, The Century of the Self by Adam Curtis, who's done a number of documentaries. And uh, in Century of the Self, he actually talks about Anna Freud's role in shaping um, Freud's legacy with modern psychoanalytical theory in the United States. And her, her idea of a well-adapted, well-adjusted person was a good citizen that got up, did their job, raised their kids. Um, there was really no mention of church. So I don't think a deep religious life was a part of this, but basically lived their life like, you know, inside the lines, like they didn't color outside the lines. And she was very instrumental in promoting, like this idea to uh, corporations and corporations would pick up on the thread. Not only that, but she was also connected to the United States government. And when the the soldiers came home from World War II, um, they provided both, Anna Freud and her colleagues who are now working for the United States government to get in and begin to basically question a lot of these vets who had gone through some very horrific things during World War II. And so out of all of that comes a whole nother kind of download um, series of batteries and tests and, you know, the whole thing post, you know, post Freud, post-World War II, kind of the the modern American psyche is deeply shaped by Anna Freud because of of her connection with the United States government and with corporations to basically create the model consumer. You wanted to have a good citizen who is also a model consumer. And you're right. She had a terrible temper and she didn't really tolerate anybody really questioning her ideas. So not only do we get like the front end damage of Freud and his faulty theories, and then we have the mother superior of his school of thought, which is his daughter literally carrying them out and bolting them to uh, mainstream foundational entities inside this country to ensure the fact that they would have a find a place to live. Now, later on, Anna Freud found out she was wrong. And that was a big deal for her. When she looked back on a lot of her theories, wow, she fessed up. She, well, yes, she realized that she was wrong. And she realized that her kind of one size fits all uh prescription for how humans should be was ultimately not the right one. And, and I don't know what she did with that. I don't think she, went on a book tour or anything and recanted everything she did, but it wasn't as if she was not aware of the fact that she, she really had made a huge mistake and she realized it. Oh, wow, Even though I think, uh, I'm not sure if she was still alive when, when Musayaf, um, wrote that book. Um, she might've, she might've been, she might've passed away, but you know, what happens with these people is that they have these foundations that live on, and then they feed off of their legacy, right? They get money off of their legacy, so they they want to keep the idea that the person who started the ideas or permeated the, you know, the culture with these uh, concepts, you know, are untouchable and that they're
0: bright. Well, and- you know, so, some of the yeah. wags out there—if you notice in my comments, some guy came on and says, you know, everybody's pretty much acknowledged that that uh Freud is a quack winner. Well, you know, what's what's new about that? Well, you know, the news what's new about that is the impact that this guy's had. That's right. Yeah. You know, just because just because nowadays more people recognize him as a quack. Really? You just kind of shrug your shoulders and walk away, nothing to see here. Move along, which is typical of the crap I've had to put up with over the years. Well it's articles. not it's you know it's okay to say well he was a quack but then
2: you drill down and then you begin to see that the guy was clearly obsessed with masturbation. I mean, he was obsessed with masturbation, everything, every kind of neurosis kind of flies off of some desire to masturbate. Right. And, and when you drill down and you see that, and that becomes a major foundational piece for Freud and how it, Begins to you know filter through modern psychoanalytical thought and theory, well then it becomes a really big deal. It's more than just a quack, right? It's 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 like creating, it's like building a building with a foundation that's got serious
0: cracks in it. Yeah, and you can't just come along many years later and say, well, everybody knows this. Not everybody knows it. Not to the degree that they. And and, and and, not not everybody understands the subtleties of how his thoughts have kind of yeah, this society. yeah. not to the degree like, it's easy to say oh yeah let's,
2: let's but not to the degree that like his his crackery was like
0: um what's the word i'm looking for
2: institutionalized right they
0: institutionalized the stuff and they basically and, 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 and made oftentimes it... subliminally too yeah. yeah so we got we got this other character that i think you kind of wanted to talk about last time it's loretta bender Right. So, she, she, when she, she,
2: she fill people, fill people well, in. She was into she was, was eighteen
0: ninety seven ni- and nineteen eighty seven. Another Jewish uh, pediatric neuro psychiatrist, and she was really big on human experimentation. And I don't, I don't know what draws these people to this kind of stuff. Yeah, like, again, weird. I kind of think it's Sabbatian. You know, you have a chance to get uh, chattel and people to experiment on. And boy, she she really did a number on a bunch of children. Mm -hmm. So she began working at New York City's Bellevue Hospital in 1930. And uh, she was given 34 the position of senior psychiatrist. And I'd I'd really be curious who put her there. Turtle, you know, the turtle on the fence post again. I don't really quite know the answer to that question. It's probably like another layer Right. She was there for 21 years. And so most of her so-called work was diagnosing mental disorders in children. And most of her victims involved abandoned children or children whose parents elected to institutionalize them. And at the time, she was considered one of the leading mental illness society uh, scientists. So actually, the majority of the children at Bellevue were African-American. Right. And Bender made it quite clear that she felt that African Americans were best characterized by their, quote, capacity for laziness and their ability to dance, both of which she said were features of the specific brain impulses of African Americans. Right. So, I mean, today she would be a, a true racist. My God, you know, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> not a borderline racist. They're just, you know, this is serious stuff. This is her thinking. So her favorite diagnosis was childhood schizophrenia. After these children were abandoned and institutionalized, empty suit Dr. Bender noticed that they experienced depression.
2: Imagine that.
0: Imagine that, which of course required treatment. So in 30, 1937, as part of a large contingent of Bellevue physicians, including Dr. Wartus and Carl Bowman, and accompanied by Harold Hemwich, Of Albany Medical College attended attended a joint meeting of the New York Neurological Society. And the gathering was a virtual who's who of practitioners of insulin and metrazole shock therapy. So they would these empty suits would then administer massive doses of insulin to induce a coma in a child. So they tortured him. Yeah. Typically, injections were administered six days a week for about two months. Courses of up to two years were documented. After blood glucose was flushed out as child, stupor and coma would result. Seizures would sometimes occur before and during coma. Many children would be tossing, rolling, moaning, twitching, spasming, or thrashing about. Vomiting was not uncommon. After the coma, the patients required continuous supervision as there was a danger of hyperglycemic aftershocks. Patients inevitably emerged from the long course of treatment grossly obese. But like mortality was about I mean, they would just torture them enough so they didn't quite die. Like the mortality rate was rate was about one to five percent, but they just ruin them.
1: Don't you think that's a dude? Look at her. That looks like a dude. Yeah, I know.
0: You know what kind of a rock did you crawl crawl out from under, Loretta?
2: This this is not uncommon for uh, for people during that time. By the way, um, yeah, this is just really weird, and lived
0: to be quite old, right? I mean, very influential for a long period wow. period of time, and so it, this is what I say in the article. It Took a while to discredit this skullduggery. In 1953, British psychiatrist Harold Bourne published a paper called The Insulin Myth in Lancet, in which he argued that there was no sound basis for believing that insulin coma treatment counteracted the schizophrenic process in a specific way. Prior to publishing The Insulin Myth, Bourne had tried to submit the article to the Journal of Mental Mental Science. After six, 12 months delay, the journal informed Bourne they had rejected it and told him to get more experience. That just sounds like COVID.
2: Yeah. You know, what's also interesting too, are the kids. It's like, where do these kids come from? Right. Like where oh, do the street, kids come a lot from? Of are
0: street kids. Just a, a lot of them are, are street
2: yeah. kids, but even, even the street kids, where do the street kids come from? This is a whole other rabbit hole that I'm not really Definitely. not prepared to go down today, but the influx of children in orphans in the United States Um, in the late 1800s is um, astonishing, right? It's like they have all these kids showing up and they have what's called the orphan trains. And the orphan trains are literally stocked with kids and taking them to places in the Midwest so that they can go work for um, these farm families. And there's a lot of speculation about where these kids might have come from. Um, and, and some of it does not have to do with the fact that they were just delivered and then put on somebody's doorstep, right? That's a whole other show. But you know, during the turn of the century, the United States is fraught with all of these abandoned and, and or homeless children. Uh, it's very strange. It's a very strange time in our history. And it looks like she's got her pick of the litter there.
0: Yeah. most Mostly she kind of went after the, uh, after the blacks. Right. I don't, I don't know what that's all about, but so, so after she kind of abused the insulin treatment, she came up with this drug called Metrazole, yeah. which artificially induces epileptic convulsions. And actually it took the FDA till 1982 to revoke its approval of this drug. And I have a, I don't know. Should we watch that little video? What's like? You want to play that?
2: Which which one up here?
0: Metros, Metrazole shock therapy on the page.
2: Let's see where is it. Uh, yeah, let's watch it. Let me make sure I have the uh,
0: the right controls here.
2: Is this going to trigger people? Do I need to give, give people a trigger
0: warning? Yeah, this is bad. You Know if if if, if, if everything's got to be hunky dory and happy for you all the time, then probably you shouldn't be listening to us yeah, at all.
2: So, I'm gonna. So, okay. I normally don't do this, but you're gonna get a trigger warning here because it, it made
0: is, it to YouTube. So, there must be, must oh, well, put something well you, you,
2: yeah, well, YouTube, I'm sure, will be more than happy to promote awareness around it. There, we go. Got it. Yeah, it's there. It's playing. Oh, look at him He's 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 curling up like like um. would you get, get a, sound
0: on
2: it? Let me see.
1: The sound is on. Okay.
2: Let's try it again. When you played it, was there sound initially?
0: uh maybe not. I've been a while since I watched. I don't it. think there's sound to it, but you can tell that when. It was kind of interesting. Find to even find this little uh, clip. It's it's
2: certainly uh, disturbing. Let me let me find it again. Give me one sec. It's here. This is kind of how
0: I started to feel in the hospital last last week. <laughs>
2: so yeah, I mean the sound should be on with this thing. Let's play it again one, one more time. So when you when you when you see, he's got like a something he's biting on
0: yeah they've administered a drug that causes this convulsion
2: yeah and then he goes he goes into that like um if you've ever seen anybody get a really severe concussion they they go into this like like um claw or crab-like hand thing and you can watch him do it here watch this he's flailing flailing and then something happens here and then watch his arms watch his look, look at him you see him see him
0: so like, you're not, it's not on the screen.
2: Oh, here, let me share it. My bad.
1: So 1980 it took until 1982 to withdraw this from the market. Here we go. We'll play it again.
2: Okay, so he's he, he's got – they're doing something here. They're placing something. Now, watch his hands. See how they do that? They come into that claw position. See that? That's the yeah. same kind of effect that somebody has when they have a, a serious concussion. And now he goes back into convulsions. This is horrible.
0: Yeah, this is caused by a, a drug administered that was used for, for way too long. And, Laura, you know, because of the influence of Loretta Bender – Huh. Sabatian Frankist uh so then they moved on after that to electric shock treatment which is Well that, that
2: that's a that's a freudian thing Freud was into electroshock right it's like well if it worked well for freud well, maybe it'll work well for us
0: well they used you know they used electric shock treatment for a long time you know like well into the 70s yeah The CIA destroyed all of its files related to electric shock treatments under the rationale that the public would be too outraged over such activities and would not appreciate the agency's objectives behind such work. And so Bender would later go on to develop close links with several of the doctors, including Dr. Ewan Cameron, involved in the CIA and Pentagon behavior modification experiments conducted under the auspices of MKUltra. So I'm sure she was deep into that, probably had some Interesting thing to add to that process. She was a proponent of depatterning electroconvulsive therapy, ETC, then termed annihilation experiments. So called therapy began in the mid 40s. ECT is still used today, day, although most modern ECT devices deliver a brief pulse circuit that is thought to cause fewer cognitive effects than the SIN wave currents that Bender and her elk use. I mean, it, it took so little to impact your brain. I, I learned that a couple of weeks ago.
4: Right. Just, exactly. Just, just yeah. from
0: getting into, just having some anesthesia administered and having a breathing device stuck down my throat. Just yeah. fuck me up. I'm still, I'm still a little bit out of it. Yeah. No, to, I and, mean. And to be it, doing yeah. this stuff to people.
2: Oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. Um, it's interesting also cuz autism was not autism was not very big back then right like the cases of autism were pretty rare it's not like it is now where it's i think i think it's got to what is it one out of 50 or one out of 20 boys now have autism which is horrible right but during this time it was something that was not very common so for them to get an autistic child uh and experiment on them was probably was probably gold because so they, were, for
0: the, they were just getting normal children to experiment on yeah but
2: they if they got an autistic kid here because they did right so the therapeutic approach to children with autism well, who knows
0: what they're doing with all these autistic kids now
2: well the I you know my theory of of the autistic i used to work with autistic kids a long time ago it was quite interesting um, but if you go back and look at um you know the vaccine schedule which gets really gets ramped up in the mid mid eighties uh it mirrors the rise of autism right so you know there tends to be a fairly interesting, and I have to watch my words here on YouTube, a fairly interesting correlation between the two, if you're looking at patterns. So she's able to get her hands on autistic kids, who I think at that time were probably fairly rare. And
0: right, right. In,
2: in as much as and this is the part that you know, it's like the iceberg. Like we're seeing the tip of the iceberg here. You know, we're seeing what they can excavate and show us. What we don't see is what, what's beneath the surface. And I guarantee you, like with these kids and everything that they're doing, they're, they're doing brain mapping. They're, they're, they're cracking their skulls open. They're, they're looking at the brains. They're slicing the brains, right? This is how these people would operate. Right, Because they're trying to find maps here. They're trying to find ways in which to either diagnose and or put people into different states of either uh, chaos or noise so that they can repattern them. So the bottom of the, bottom of the, uh, the, the iceberg here is probably even worse than what we're being shown.
0: Yeah. They, well, the other thing that Bender got into, she she was involved in every, all the skullduggery imaginable, but she was heavy into the LSD experimentation. Right. She wrote papers that she considered the early work of Dr. Alfred Hubbard.
2: Yeah, Al Deeper. Hubbard. Yeah. Al she, Hubbard.
0: Yeah, Johnny Appleseed.
2: He was the Johnny Appleseed of LSD. Yeah.
0: Right. So he, he wasn't a doctor at all. He was just a dispenser. Right. You know, he he hoodwinked Sandoz into supplying him with ample doses of LSD and just, you know put it into the uh, into the counterculture. Yeah, San
2: he Francisco.
0: would he,
2: he would go to bars in San Francisco and he would he would dose guys and they were usually uh sailors that were that were um you know having some time out, right? Like Doing the bar. So what's really interesting is I actually had a girlfriend whose father was involved in rounding those guys up from those bars in San Francisco. He didn't really, know, he didn't know the Hubbard side of things, but they sent him in to go to these places and deal with these guys. Right. So he was on the back end of the whole Hubbard experiment and Hubbard would sit there, you know, watch them and take notes and, um, you know, see, see what they were capable of. Yeah. You instead- know,
0: there's, there's an article that there's an article that I wrote. I, I can't consider it one of my best articles ever. It's, it's really impactful. You can see the link there. It says in plain view, jaw dropping video of LSD promoters holding 1979 meeting. And it's Timothy, Larry, uh, Hubbard,
4: Gottlieb, the whole crew, Sydney, sitting around around casually
0: talking confessing and talking about all this stuff right i mean if you're anybody that's serious about this topic needs to sit down and watch this video you don't even have to necessarily even see my comments on it but that that meeting is like a revelation of what they were doing and they were very pleased about it and they admitted the cia and the Crime syndicate was bought. Oh, this is
2: Sidney Cohen. This is not Sidney, Sidney Blumenthal. Um and then Humphrey Osmond. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there, there's Bender involved with uh, autism. Right. And Steve Silberman, so- uh, the author of Neuro sharply critical of Bender's therapeutic approach to children with autism, 50s and 60s, he told an interviewer. That autistic kids were often subjected to seclusion, restraint, and physical punishment by clinicians who did not understand their condition. Well, she was a sadomasochist. She loved that. Right. The more experiments like that that like that that she could do, the merrier.
2: So you mentioned Willis Harmon in this article,
0: the the LSD promotion article.
2: Yeah. So Willis Harmon is a, a very interesting character. and he uh, he winds up hooking up with Stanford Research Institute and um, a place called ions, which was started by Edgar Mitchell, which is also known as the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which I've been to. I've been to ions. And one of the things that Willis Harmon, was involved in it's, it's a, and you may want to do an article on this one, on this one book, Russ, it's called changing images of man. And it was, um, produced by Willis Harmon, this other guy whose name I forget. It comes through Stanford research Institute and it's got a number of contributors, but one of the main contributors was Joseph Campbell. And changing images of man is really like a research paper Bible for the time that we're living in. And one of the things that they come up with is that in order for humanity to um, take a, quote, unquote, new evolutionary step, be corralled and reach their you know, higher function is to come up with a new religion. And the new religion that they posit is the religion of the earth. And they Mm -hmm. get into this whole idea around Gaia, Gaia, but they, but they, when you really boil it down, because I mean, I look, people care about the environment. I care about the environment. I think it's an important thing, but when you, when you boil it down, what you're able to get out of this work is the distillation for climate change the green economy the build back better the um uh you know d- you know doing something for the greater good I mean it's all baked in this it, and you can find the PDF online it's called changing images of man and it really is kind of like the Bible and the roadmap.
0: He just so happens are. to be at this LSD promoter meeting. What a clinky day. <laughs> well, he, so Harmon Harmon has
2: been on the front lines of this stuff for, you know, for a long time. And I think changing images of man is towards the back end of his, of his career. Um, but yeah, I mean, the same players show up over and over again here. Right. You talk about Watson, who's another government agent.
0: Yeah. Now during this meeting, Leary thanks the, I'm trying to remember his name, the, Publisher of uh, Time, Loose, Loose, yeah, right, right there in the meeting. He just thanks him for all the propaganda and the uh, promotion of their work.
2: Yeah, that book, Acid Dreams, is actually a really good book, by the way. If you want to understand the history of LSD and who the players are,
0: but if you want to see some guys doing some some confessions before your very eyes or you doubters out there. They don't think this stuff is for real. This is, this is, this is some pretty good meat here.
2: Yeah. Then they, they talk about, um, they talk about uh, this drug called BZ in acid dreams. Do you remember that BZ? Okay. So the, the government, the, the army thought, well, well, they wanted to dose soldiers, which they did. And when they did, they found out that the soldiers weren't very interested in fighting. Like they were more interested in like, you know, God and the universe and the molecular structure of their fingernail or whatever. Right. Um, so, they, okay, well, this is interesting, but it doesn't achieve our goal. So what they did is they they tinkered around with LSD and they added a few things here, subtracted a few things there. And they came up with this drug called BZ, which is short for benzyl something-something, zyathorine something, or something like that. And they actually used BZ um, in Vietnam. But the first time they used it, I think they used it domestically. And the effects of BZ were that the individual would have a clear psychotic break. And they would they would literally be on this high for like 72 hours with a clear psychotic break. And when it was all over, they would, they didn't know what they did and, and so they also found that individuals could become highly aggressive on it. And they were like, Oh yeah, I think we found something here. So classic mind control. Yeah. Cause what they wanted to do is they wanted to find the magic pill so that they could deliver it to their soldiers who would become killing machines without a conscience so they, they they field tested this thing in vietnam and the results were horrific they were horrific that basically what happened is they had a um a small platoon just opened fire on each other and and you know they didn't, they couldn't tell who the enemy was or yeah, again,
0: or was Lord, knows, Lord knows how much of this stuff is even unspoken unreported. Well, this, this, this came out and
2: yeah. there's a movie called, um, Jacob's ladder with, uh, uh, Tim Robbins, which I highly recommend, even though it's a very dark movie that gets into this territory. They, they, it, it, it basically recounts, this, this BZ, you don't really know it in the movie, but you'll find out about it. This BZ event that ha- So all this stuff is going on during this time, right? Like, it's just crazy. Operation Phoenix, that's all happening during the Vietnam War. All these experiments are going on. It was just a field day for these people.
0: Yeah, and then this kind it's kind of a lead-in, this this uh, LSD gathering with Sydney Gottlieb is there. And and here's
2: Gottlieb, right here. Yeah. And Gottlieb is Mr. MK Ultra.
0: He's Mr. MK Ultra. So the MK Ultra the the next article is the cornerstone article. It's called an MK Ultra mind Control Headed by Gottlieb. It began on the order of CIA Director Alan Dulles on April 13, 1953, but his techniques dated back to World War II under the direction of Dr. Donald Ewan Cameron, 1901 to 1967. And so the scope of Ultra, MK Ultra was broad. 80 institutions, 44 colleges and universities, as well as hospitals, prisons, pharmaceutical companies. The CIA operated through these institutions using front organizations. Although sometimes top officials were unaware of the CIA involvement and investigative efforts were hampered by the fact that subsequent CIA Director Helms ordered all MKUltra files destroyed in 1973. So we kind of get a partial extraction. of what, A little what, what, bit. It's
2: that. a little show and tell there. Right. Yeah.
0: Because they basically burned everything. Uh, but the same thing with Cameron, you know, right, right out of the Loretta Bender school of sensory deprivation, drugs, isolation. Right. Uh, the, you know, Cameron, I have turning loose a monster. So here we go with this again. Cameron's claim to fame is torturing and experimenting on the minds of his human subjects. For this, he became, at least in his lifetime, a heavy hitter. Demonstrating a spade, the twisted, inverted world in which we live. In 1961, Cameron was appointed the president of the World Psychiatric Association.
2: He was a quack.
0: Total he was the president quack. of the World Psychiatric Association. He was yeah. also the president of the American and Canadian Psychiatric Association. Talk about a turtle on a fence post.
2: Yeah, yeah, Can't Cameron. That, that's,
0: a CIA, that's a CIA appointment. Yeah. That's a crime syndicate appointment. Yeah. So experimented on his human guinea pigs with various uh, paralytic drugs, such as the electroconvulsive therapy that we just discussed. Yep. But at 30 to 40 times the normal power, his driving experiments consisted of putting subjects into a drug-induced coma for weeks at a time while playing tape loops of noise or simple repetitive statements. So just torturing people. Yep. You know, his experiments were typically carried out on patients who had entered the Institute for minor problems, such as anxiety disorders and postpartum depression. So he would just snatch his regular paper patients and experiment on them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The totally whole unethical. thing. Yeah. The whole thing with Cameron and McGill is um, very, very, very dark, very dark. And what, what, what Russ is referring to is a technique called psychic driving and psychic driving, uh, is a compendium of things like drugs, white noise, uh, sleep deprivation. Essentially they're, they're breaking down the individual so that they can do whatever they want. Right. They can either create a sub personality. Um, they can uh, reprogram the person, um, they can watch what happens and make notes as the person deconstructs and goes into some form of regression. Um, and those ideas of, of Cameron, I'm convinced, Ross, that they've been actually mainstreamed, and that we live in a constant field of psychic driving now. Yeah, like our I'm real too. our reality is a byproduct of psychic driving, and and it has to do with the flood of information. A lot of people can't sleep. They have a hard time sleeping, whether it's because we're stressed out. Maybe there are um, electronic signals that are being uh, transmitted through the atmosphere. There's
0: There's a lot of what I call black magic, which is just strangeness. This strange, this strange, unbelievable things, and I sent you yesterday, kind of laughs, giggles, this interview with this father of this. Of oh yeah, we yeah we should, we should no, play that. I mean, it's just it's just come on, really. Yeah, that's black magic. What are you pulling on people? Now, this, not this, real? <laughs> this is a res,
2: this is a result of collective psychic driving, where people are losing their minds. They're and losing. I they're,
0: they're being fed this stuff and 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 asked to believe that it's real, and it's, uh, right. And if and if you if you don't accept it, you're considered a kook.
2: Right. The psychic driving is the creation of a disassociative state.
0: Is really what it is. Black magic, using black magic and high weirdness, high strangeness, as you call it.
2: Yeah. i tell you. You know, there's. I want to play this video with this father, which is so bizarre. But there is a name that that we kind of glossed over a little bit as we went through your various articles. And that's John Lilly, Dr. John Lilly. Right. And um, if anybody's ever seen um, uh, the movie with uh, William Hurt, uh, what's, what's the name of the movie? Uh, shoot, now I'm blanking on it. Um, oh, I usually know this stuff at the top of my head. Hold on now. I got to go into the other mind.
0: Oh, uh, hold on. That's interesting how they make movies derived of the, from this stuff.
2: Oh, it's famous. It's a yeah. famous movie. Um, it's Altered States. I mean, even before I type it in, I got it. Altered States is about John. It's William Herr plays a John Lilly character and uh, it's taking place, I believe at Harvard and, uh, He's really involved in things like sensory deprivation and trying to achieve these mind states, right? And eventually he runs across this guy, Salvador Roquette, who hooks him up with uh, psilocybin, mescaline, and then ultimately uh, LSD. And so he starts to do these uh, sensory deprivation tanks, you know, high on acid. And that starts everything off. Now, Lily, of course, is connected to the Lily Merck pharmaceutical pharmaceutical. Oh,
0: really? oh yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. More, so we're set more 17 Frankus. So back in the,
2: back in the eighties, when I used to be in the music business, um, John Lily's name was kind of floating around because he was doing a lot of stuff with whales, right. And dolphins and, you know, kind of whale and, and dolphin sounds were sort of starting to permeate like music. Uh, and so Lily's name would come up and I met this woman who had gone to see John Lily in Hawaii. And <laughs> she said, um the minute I got there, he saw me and he took out his wang and started to masturbate right in front of me right like that's where his head was at right that's that's
0: like, the freud that's the freudian influence <laughs>
2: like the, i know right like that's how far gone he was you know and back in the day you know we would think of people like john lilly as being almost like counterculture heroes because you know their uh fearless exploration of these deep psychic states and then you come to find out that he's really, really nothing more than a drooling vegetable, who you know takes out his weenie the minute some fairly attractive woman walks through his door and feels like he can get away with it, and that's the byproduct of this.
0: You know, the, I was going to add about you and Cameron. A lot of his stuff has been revealed, so the, the information has come back, come out, and you can see a little bit of that as a fifth estate uh, documentary done by Canadian Public Broadcasting a few years back. Really good. It's called the sleep room at right. the state where he they go into the abuses at McGill College where Cameron did all these experiments. Right. So that's in my article. Uh it's you know, it's longer, so you can if you want to take the time to look at it. But um you know, so he he so he began working with the Office for Strategic Services. That's what he the OS, came. The at.
2: OSS, right. So they yeah. come out
0: of Intel. Right, you you know you know you know who's got an
2: interesting connection to McGill, is is Leonard Cohen, um, the singer songwriter. Have you ever gone down the Leonard Cohen rabbit hole?
0: No, oh, I mean I've heard of his music, but
2: no, what's that all about? Oh no, well, Leonard Cohen is a player. Like he's he's a big time player. So first of all, Leonard Cohen, a lot of people don't know this, but Leonard Cohen was a member of the IDF. Yeah. Yep, Leonard Cohen was a Zionist. Right. Yep. And so he has a yeah, all, the, all this stuff
0: overlaps.
2: So he has this interesting connection with McGill University and Cameron. And um, I used to be friends with uh, this woman named Ann Diamond. And uh, Ann, I did an interview with Ann one time, and she was uh, Leonard Cohen's lover. And she was very clear that Leonard Cohen was a handler. And that she was somebody that was being handled by him. I have no reason to doubt her. Henry Macau has written a couple of uh, stories on Anne. And so she has a lot of information on on Leonard Cohen. And there's this really interesting documentary where um, they have this concert, Isle of Wight, which I believe is an experiment like Isle of Wight is at the end of the the festivals of the 60s right and it's a it everything just goes wrong during Isle of Wight bad acid right and even the Isle of Wight itself has like weird kind of supernatural connections and everything just goes off the rails and leonard cohen comes on and leonard cohen i'm convinced practices a form of nlp on everybody at that concert and puts them all in a trance. Like Mm -hmm. that's how, that's how, that's how like trained, highly trained Leonard Cohen is. And um, what's, what's his name? The Miles Mathis, whose work I mostly like. Um, One of the things that he did that I thought was actually quite good was he tried to figure out who really was the uh, the author of Bob Dylan's songs. Because if you follow the career of Dylan, his output does not m- match certain periods of time. Yeah, kind of like a
0: Shakespeare.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. And some people say, well, you know, that's just how some, no, not really. Some people act like, whether you like him or not, um, and he was a CIA wonk, uh, Ernest Hemingway wrote his stuff the entirety of his life, you know? But so he went to, he drilled down on the lyrics, Dylan's lyrics, and he's like, okay, based on these lyrics, which often have these biblical references, there's really only two people at that time that were capable of writing those lyrics. One was Paul Simon, and the other was Leonard Cohen. And through a series of deductions, he's convinced that it's Leonard Cohen. And so Cohen is tied into this thing
0: in a, in a really interesting way. Leonard Cohen has one song. I really like, I'm trying to remember the name of it uh, where he's talking about, we, we take over New York and
2: first we take yep. New York. Then we take Berlin.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> Pretty Russ, wild lyrics.
2: Russ, you're the incredibly shrinking man
0: again. Oh, yeah, I am sorry. That's
2: that's our code. <laughs> okay. The incredibly shrinking man. You you gotta you gotta raise it up a little bit or lower, whichever whichever way it goes. But in this,
0: I don't I don't think we can cover it. But if you, anybody wants to read a little bit more about some of Cameron's activities, he was he was tied in with experimenting on uh, Rudolph Hess.
2: Oh he yeah, yeah. That was that was a really interesting article. Um uh, you know, I don't, no, you we, don't, we don't
0: really can't really fit that into the show, but I would recommend people read that because it's kind of that was
2: that was really interesting and in that um they did
0: a number they did a number on him
2: right and was that was that like front-loading the, the nuremberg trials
0: is that was that what that was about well they you know they had a live one they had you know one of uh, the top nazis who just of course showed up in scotland trying to save the world he was kind of on a very idealistic and thought that he could Cut a deal, and make peace, and save. Was wasn't he also in contact
2: with um, Crowley? I think he was in contact with Crowley too. Who? Um, Cameron. Hess. No, Hess. No,
0: Vancouver? I think I, I I think Hess was on a p- peace mission, but he was kind of naive, right? And. Once they got a hold of him, they turned him over to Cameron and sort of Cameron's crew of these British psychiatrists, and then they basically did psychic driving on him and drove him crazy. Right. And uh, but Hess is really a tough guy. He would kind of snap out of it at times.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a, cr- an
0: incredible story that n- nobody even knows about. But I, I, yeah, I wrote the article on it, but it's kind of in depth. I don't think we can really go into into that now but it's look at look at
2: this dude i mean that that guy's a bulldog who has
0: yeah look at that face yeah (laughs) he was he was known as the conscious of national socialism everybody thought he was like the most angelic of the whole bunch
2: right interesting and so they wanted to make sure that they they could get their their psychic hooks in them
0: yeah, and paint him his crazy Hess narrative to deflect away from his peace mission. Right. And uh, Cameron was tasked with removing memories, Hess's memory of past events. So they got him so he couldn't really recognize his colleagues at the trials. Uh, Van Rippentroff responded by suggesting Hess was not really Hess. When told of something that Hess had said, he replied, Hess, you mean Hess, the Hess that we have here? Uh, When he came face-to-face with Herman Goering, Hess remarked, who are you? Goering reminded him of events that they witnessed in the past, but Hess continued to insist that he did not know this man. You know, things like that. And then there's a really ridiculous, there's this psychiatric enigma of Rudolf Hess on YouTube, where a bunch of these jerks, psychoanalysts, decide to take it on themselves to psychoanalyze Rudolf Hess. And don't know don't know crap about where he'd been institutionalized, the right. psychic driving he'd been through, the drugging. Right. It, you know, they're just chucking it, yucking it up. This experiment they did on Rudolph has just disgusting. Right. But but worth watching just to show just to show the mentality, the ushered learning, lifelong yeah. learning center.
2: You you know what's interesting. When I was uh in college and uh studying English literature um the this is back in the uh, 80s like the 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 big rave in terms of modern critical theory was was called um the, the new school of uh criticism and right. it it comes out of chicago uh chicago university lionel trilling and these people and um and then it, it, i always thought like when when it was talked about in college um, I thought it was insane, actually, because what the, the, the new school of uh, modern criticism is about is, like, you take away the historical context of everything. Like, so if there's a work, a literary work, you just look at the work itself in this kind of hermetically sealed vacuum. And I thought to myself, well, that's nuts. Like, how could you... Not like if you're going to read Pound's Cantos, you can't understand the Cantos without understanding Pound's life and who he hung out with and where he grew up because there's references to all of it. And it's the same thing here with Hess, right? Like, how can you understand who this man is or was without the context, without the background? Without the historical facts, well, it's just so much easier just to
0: say. This so much easier to say. Oh, he flew to Brit Scotland and went, and it was crazy. That's that's. I mean, even Hitler well, I'm t- I'm
2: talking about that. these guys on YouTube. Yeah, you who were, who were but, taking a whack at him, right?
0: This, because, yeah, this is what I this is what I said. I said as the people in the audience yucked it up. We learned by sheer quinky dink that hospital records. I mean, I'm just sitting here listening to these guys. Right, the hospital records admit to giving true serums and observing patient paranoia and atypical amnesia that made no sense. Paranoid Hess thought he, was, he had been given neurotoxins in his food. And then I have, say, see the use of neurotoxin fluoride for influencing brain function. He right. stated, so Hess is very smart and very, seemed to be very aware. He stated that he was worked over by strange, glassy-eyed, freakish individuals that he called, that in his so-called paranoia he felt were Jews. He knew the drugs, were he, he knew what drugs were administered to Hess, but this is not too similar to what McGill's f- victims described. So they did the McDill treatment on him.
4: Right. And I said, mean, Where they, have we they, heard this yeah. before
0: McGill, you and Cameron. Yes, that's the ticket. It, it wasn't Cameron directly. And, and you and Cameron was dropping in on this stuff. It was his right. colleagues at this hospital.
4: Right, and then we, right. learn
0: it, then we learn that Hess, once in prison, once he kind of got away from this environment and just kind of got left alone, yeah. he started writing lucid, poetic letters home and demonstrated reasonable memory. Then they go into why Hess, uh, right, right as he's about to declare not fit to stand trial, suddenly proclaimed he was fine and had been pulling a ruse. But there's even logic to that if you consider he wanted to stay, stay in the limelight rather than go back to Cameron's torturous experiments. So put yourself in Hess's shoes. You know, I, I want to go to trial. I want to stay in, in in front of the public. Right. He wrote to Oswald Hess wrote to Oswald Mosley, this is kind of worth talking about. I have been in prison for four years now with lunatics and have been at the mercy of their torture without being able to inform anyone of this. But the worst were the doctors who employ their scientific knowledge for the most refined tortures. I was given reports by British consulates about the treatment of Jews in Germany, according to Jews. I was told I was being treated like the Gestapo treats their political enemies. It was typical of the Jews to claim that their enemies did what they did to them, they did themselves. Apart from the chemical that caused toothache, there was unmistakably a strong laxative and a poison that irritated the mucous membranes and the st- Strongest possible manner. Well, remember Freud is into this mucous membrane shit. Remember that?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The last was responsible for my no, nose stopping itself up with congealed bl- blood that I had a hemorrhage in my mouth and that my bow- bowels burned like fire. This, doctors could not hide his satisfaction when there were signs of hemorrhaging in my intestines. Jeez. They had been They had been hypnotized to torture until I became crazy and finally to kill me. To do everything in such a matter that nothing could possibly be proven and that my complaints would be explained by auto-suggestion. That's uh, Hess to uh, Oswald Mosley. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the trial, Hess faded in and out. Uh, it was not overly just because, remember, he was a consummate, consummate political infighter with a high degree of cleverness, even in his reduced days. Some of the survivors of Cameron's mad science at McGill were the same way, exactly the same way to kind of try to trick their way out of it. Uh, there's a very informative interview that, in this article with the former American warden, Eugene Bird, who became a close friend of Hess. He wrote the book about Hess's imprisonment titled The Loneliest Man in the World. And he described Hess as very introverted, isolated, but lucid in his old age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they, were, and, and they were going to release him in like at about the age of 93, but the theory is that they just murdered him.
2: Right. Wow. Wow. Very yeah, it's intense.
0: Quite a, it's quite a story. It's kind of hidden history.
2: Yeah, for sure. So
0: It ties in with the psychic driving experimentation stuff. And then, right. and then, of course, the Russians did a lot of this on the Romanian, sort of the Romanian fascists that they captured after the end of World War II. They had yeah. what they call hard cases. Yeah. And they experimented on them, mostly just torturing him, excruciating pain.
2: Right. Well, this has been a really uplifting episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> Post-Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for, apparently. Um, So let's try to tie all this together a little bit here. Let's see if we can bring the loose ends together. We have uh, the faulty foundation of psychoanalytic theory based on one man's obsessions and perversions and a uh, uh, hardcore desire for cocaine and money. Right. And also with forays into things like electroshock therapy, also known as Sigmund Freud. We have Freud. Then we have the descendants of Freud, like Anna Freud in the military-industrial complex. And then we have these other various offshoots where these people aren't really psychoanalytical figures, but they are engaged in what I would call like the militarization of the subconscious, right? Which is the psychic driving, uh, the split personality, uh, tr- trauma, trauma-based applications. And, and we could make a case here that it all comes out of Freud in a lot of ways. Like, I think it goes further back a little bit. I don't want to muddy the waters, but for the 20th century, Freud brings us to that place and the launching pad where there's just a lot of, um, immoral justification. Yeah. Just
0: degenerate behavior too. Yeah. Degenerate behavior, torture, and immoral- torture, degenerate behavior. Just, yeah. yeah. Just wiping out people's minds.
2: Right. Right. And whether or not people actually knew that Freud was carrying on, um, you know, essentially a a, a professional forgery. Um, some of the methodologies that Freud employed. Drug dealing, I, yeah. I'm sure they knew about. And it's like, well, you know, why don't we piggyback on this a little bit? And, you know, and this stuff has been going on for a long time. I mean, once they were able to set up things like um, sanitariums and, and and mental institutions, it was fair game. On on humanity, it's like once they went through those doors, you were you were, you know, good luck, right? Good luck.
0: Yeah, I mean they they had other ways of do you know doing, uh, you know, McGowan, Dave McGowan talked about this. They had other ways of doing uh, psychic driving and black magic in the population, like in the seventies, because they they would get these prospective serial killers in these institutions, right. And then just turn them loose on society. Well, that's what happened with Manson. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Manson was institutionalized, you know, uh, went through the whole boys club thing and, you know, prison. And and then, yeah, it shows up in San Francisco and then later L.A. in the 60s. And voila, there you go. Ready big.
0: California was a hotbed of just releasing these serial killers into society to create havoc. And I was,
2: I was there. I was there as a kid.
0: They just let them go. I just turned them loose.
2: Yeah. I was there. I, I remember when, uh, this is after the, you know, Manson was running around, I think it was, might've been the early seventies right around 73, 74, about 74. And, uh, Reagan had shut down, uh, Agnew state hospital. And Agnew was where, you know, a lot of people who, had had issues were holed up so reagan of course wanted to be the first governor to balance the budget so he he whacked a lot of the mental health services and all of a sudden all these people just started showing up they're doing
0: it again by emptying the prisons so who, oh, who, who knows yeah. what's out there right now
2: that's a that's a whole other show i mean the 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 you know the I remember if we we go back to like um twenty fifteen in twenty fifteen San Francisco had a homeless problem, but it wasn't it wasn't epic um Portland had a bit of a homeless problem, but it wasn't epic. Seattle had a homeless problem on the verge of getting epic. that was around twenty fifteen people started to become aware of what was going on in these cities. Fast forward six years later, it is an epidemic. And it's just mind blowing. Like whenever I think about it,
0: I and and what's pushing this is the same kind of people that pushed the serial killers of the seventies, the Ewan Cameron nonsense, the whole the whole program. Well it's also that's c continuity. It's also a form
2: of psychic driving, right? I mean, instead of like being bombarded with, you know, frequencies and sleep deprivation, what are you bombarded with? Like if you live in one of these cities or in proximity, you are bombarded by images of poverty, insanity, uh, uh, a lack of hygiene, right? That is an assault on your senses. And for a while, it was kind of bundled up in these West Coast progressive cities. And now it's metastasized, and it's everywhere now, right? This, this, this problem is everywhere. And of course, we have fentanyl, we have right. all these drugs that, that uh, contribute to it. And, you know, yeah, you're looking at a bunch of people who are the byproduct of not only a form of psychic driving, which sent them onto the streets. And,
0: tr- and trust me, the whole thing behind fentanyl is contrived. That, yeah. that that could be dealt with. That's not some accident. That's not no. some, oh, what a quinky dink, nothing to see here, move along.
2: Oh, no. No, it's, it's... – so one of the reasons why the United States got out of Afghanistan is because they didn't need the poppy fields anymore. Right. Fentanyl is basically is synthetic heroin right? Synthetic opium. So they figured, they figured out how to do this thing without having to grow these plants. Like, okay, we're done here. Um, We, we, we have, we have our, our, uh, our, our, our narcotic for our age now and it's fentanyl. So all of this is a byproduct of social psychic driving, which then feeds on itself and becomes another layer of the psychic driving that people have to deal with now. And, um, He's, it's really un, it's it's unfortunate because we let these people get by without any kind of oversight, without without any kind of check and balance. I mean, even Fauci is a byproduct of that, right? I mean, he's lower level in terms of the program, but don't kid yourself. He was he was a maestro with the wand from 2020 on, right? And it's another guy without any checks and balances without any oversight and this is this is what's happened with science and research in this country
0: yeah they become cr- you know, criminal enterprises to run these agendas these uh MK right ultra, exactly MK, mk ultra type agendas
2: exactly they're almost like the scientific seal of approval right to run these agendas these these big time crime well we're going to need we're going to need a high priest of science in order to do this. So let's bring these people in. And in the meantime, you know, there's always some, there's always some program running in the background uh, to further their cause. So what do we do, Russ? How do we, how
0: do we, how do we deal? A lot of people are going to have to wake the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's suppressed too, because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is, uh, not frontline news. You know, the, the, the mainstream media doesn't touch it at all. Right. If they, if they do, if they do, it's like 30 years ago, the Canadian broadcasting, you know, exposing McGill and somehow it's still on YouTube. I don't quite understand that. So some flunky at YouTube failed to take the video down. That's kind of my best ex- explanation.
2: So there's this uh, documentary. That just came out recently, which I've not watched. And it was put together by, I think, Stu Peters and that whole scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's called Died Suddenly. And apparently, Elon Musk will not allow anybody to retweet it, post a link to it. Right. And already, 7 million people have watched it. Whatever you think of Stu Peters, and I have mixed feelings about it. Well, Stu see, Peters.
0: Elon Musk does that. It's almost, it's uh, the, 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 uh, uh, what's her name? Got the Barbara Streisand effect, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, people go. I got to go see this, right? That's how I react. That's how I react. No, I, 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 I agree with you. So in some ways, I think that Elon Musk maybe knows what he's doing.
2: Mm. I, I think Elon Musk is is uh, in the camp, not our camp. He's in. He's in the camp, I mean he just basically turned uh twitter's um community control over to the a d l okay
0: but but he's, he's going to let all these uh all these banned accounts back right. next week, and I suppose the effect of that is then you can say, "Wow, look what a mess we have now, and then bring back c- controls that seems like it see it 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 seems like uh a uh,
2: problem reaction solution right Because uh, bring piece. back the,
0: you bring back all the fake accounts and all the crazy truly crazy actors that have been on twitter in the past that have been removed let them come back and then this is look what this does to the community we, now we have to put in controls
2: have so he but
0: he's not going to bring back Alex Jones I'm not going to bring back Alex Jones I'd be curious to see like if he brings back uh, Henry McCaw I wrote Henry McCaw I said you know you need to get back on Twitter. And he, he agreed. He said, why don't you write e- Elon Musk? And I said, well, Henry, I don't think he's going to listen to me. Well, but maybe, ne- I, maybe next week, Henry will be back on. So I th- think that's, I, a, that's I, a benefit. So you get, so, you get the benefit of that.
2: I would love to see Henry back on there.
0: Yeah.
2: I loved his Twitter feed. Yep. He had a great Twitter feed and by not having here, here's okay. This is just a personal piece. Is that by not having his Twitter feed, he's kind of turned his website into story and Twitter feed. I think he's kind of copying Jim Stone a little bit um, in terms of how he distributes the information down his page, which I'm not sure is always, always the best. Um, I, I preferred it when he would do one story. Right. And then, and then he had a Twitter feed with all of it. the thing is like, that
0: doing one story is tough. I, I I did that for, I've done that for a long time. I was pretty prolific at that. Yeah. And it gets hard after a while.
2: No, I, I understand, I understand that, which is why having a Twitter feed is a good thing. You just, you know, bang. Right. And I do, I do like Henry, um, in his work. Um, although there are times that I think that he's like, well, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a Jew, and Jews are culpable. But don't forget the Freemasons. (laughs) Got to mention the Freemasons too.
0: Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't let the Jews off the hook though at all. No, no. Of of everybody out
2: there, Henry is probably, besides Brother Nathaniel, probably uh, two of the harshest critics of their own culture, which
0: I would agree. And I'm a very harsh critic of Americans. I have to yeah. tell you that. And people I, I think some people don't like it. I use terms like satanic. Sorry. Well,
2: Americans, you know, unfortunately, um, have been conditioned to be lazy, um, take their lives for granted, um, take their information from Sort of the worst sources, and not have to work for it or think through it. Some of it is a byproduct of the system. Some of it is a byproduct of, of what, uh, economic um, privilege in a lot of ways. But I, I would say by and large, uh, the majority of the country has let the minority of the country take the reins, and that's not a good thing. No. And when I say the minority, I'm not talking about minorities as a as a group. Yeah. You're talking, talking about, about a, a You're talking
0: like a criminal
2: element. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But I think, you know, and, and I tend to be a little objective, you know, I think it's hard. Um, like if I was just, you know, regular show American and I was trying to find my information and watch Fox news and, you know, think that I was informed and without kind of having gone through what I've gone through, I think it'd be really, really difficult to try to get to the heart of the matter. Um, And even, even Fox news, like, you know, they weren't really clear on what they're in fact, no, I I take that back. They were clear when it came to COVID-19 and vaccinations and, uh, they were they were all in, right? I mean, they were all in. Even
0: Tucker, for a while, was all in. You know, so, what about this FTX trading story? That's a, oh that's really god, amazing. We, that's 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 we, cost we, people a lot of money. We could that spend was, two that was hours. So blatant. We could spend two hours on that thing. Yeah, we probably should actually. But yeah, uh, yeah, I wrote an article on that, the FTX loot, and and what a sleazy, what a bunch of sleazy individuals. And they're be, and they're still being protected. They're going to be they're, inviting they're, this guy back to a conference here that the New York Times is putting on. And they,
2: right, just, right, right. Yeah, he's going to be at that conference. The
0: you know, Maxine um, Waters who blew this guy kisses and and her.
2: And, oh, and she's going to investigate
0: him. She could investigate him, right? Yeah, right. So th- this is going to be a real example for anybody that cares to look at how things work. Right. You know, just how corrupted the the system is because this guy's not going to. This guy's absconded with the money. He has no
2: conscience.
0: And he's not going to he's not going to pay for it. No, he has no conscience Why has whatsoever. Why hasn't he been arrested? Well, Why hasn't he been arrested?
2: We know the answer to that. Come on. Yeah, he's protected.
0: So, protected somebody's by gonna, the criminal class.
2: I, I I said this on my show a couple of weeks ago. Somebody's going to somebody's going to kill him.
0: Yeah, he's a sec, he's the second largest donate donor to the Democratic Party.
2: Right. Right.
0: Oh yeah. He gave
2: a shit ton to the Democrats.
0: You know, he's yeah. money laundering for the Ukrainians. So he's involved in so much. Yeah. And his his lifestyle and his, you know, he's basically got a harem in the Bahamas.
2: Well, it, they had a weird little click there of these. Geek, they were geeks. They were just geeks. And they were high on meth. And they were into some kind of weird, you know, poly thing. Right where you know they were all you know doing cuddle puddles and all kinds of crazy cosplay shit and nobody really like when you when you drill down and I think the guy who oversaw the end of Enron is now the CEO of FTX, right? He's actually come forward with information about the company and it's fucking startling well his
0: his legal counsel that he had so-called legal counsel a guy named uh what was his name feinberg yeah what a quinky dink feinberg right, right. feinberg was previously been involved in a uh scam involving online gambling that right he'd gotten in trouble for so yeah. uh this character got to keep trying to remember well one name. of his one of his lawyers bank, bank, bankman, bankman, uh, freed. Bankman Freed brings in this Friedberg. And I I personally I think Freed Friedberg's behind the whole thing. I think he's the main guy. Well,
2: then you yeah. Well, then you have her par her parents, his parents, and they're connected to the Clintons and Gary Gensler. I mean, these right. are all like very high-level and Gensler
0: for people who don't know it is the SEC. Com- administrator, commissioner, commis- commissioner, commissioner of the and he's been involved in a lot. He's been involved in a lot of shit going all the way back yeah. to 2008.
2: He's a criminal. So, so they some of the inner workings of FTX have been revealed. They had no board, no board, no board meetings. They did everything via Telegram and text. And in Telegram, your text. um disappear in what, 48 hours or 72 hours. So they're making all these decisions via telegram and they're all gone. There's like no record of anything. Right. And apparently if you were an FTX employee and you um, submitted an expense report, you would submit it via telegram and um, you were given an emoji, as to whether or not, it, like it was accepted or not, right? So they were like, they were like doing corporate, corporate shtick with emojis, and the whole thing was just completely Mickey Mouse. But they they did it for a reason, because they didn't want any, any paper trail. There's no paper trail whatsoever. There's none. It's all just gone. Well,
0: they, they set up this bogus trading account through this 29 year old girl. Yeah, Alameda. Uh, yeah, Alameda, you know, it's Carolyn. And Allison. by the way, the symbols of the Alameda trading. Pedophiles. It's a pedophile pedophiles symbol. Pedophiles on yeah. both of them.
2: Yeah.
0: And, the, yeah. and the 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 symbol on uh, Bankman's F- shirt.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, talk about in your face, in your face, black magic.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it, the whole it, FCX
2: is just a black hole, right And even the way that they created the value for FTX is right out of the the fiat banking playbook, right? Oh, we'll create our own token. just like we'll create our own our own currency. We'll create the FTT and we'll trade an FTT and we'll actually we'll actually profit in FTT trades. Because we're the ones creating FTT. And they bought a shit. the parents, by the way, the parents of these kids, they own places down in the Bahamas.
0: Okay. Yeah, Stanford, you know, Stanford Law professors, his mom and dad. Right. They you own on. you don't know any be- you don't know any better than that. Really? And they and they paid for and connect and politically connected. We're supposed to give you guys a pass too.
2: They paid uh, they paid. For for these houses, half of the half of the payment for the houses was in the FTT token, right? So they're basically paying. They're using nothing. Nothing.
0: Yeah, I mean the way they lauded the way they looted the money is they had this young girl, who's an idiot. If you ever see an interview, she's an they, idiot. She had no idea what she's talking about, going out and trading this stuff, and that's the conduit to their. They're passing it on to their criminal friends. They're making oh, political absolutely. donation and they, got, and they have a bunch of uh, criminal friends, a racket around the world to feed money into. Yep. And it just kind of disappears because uh, these tokens are they're hard to track. That's the whole idea.
2: Right. But then they're also worthless too because they're there's worthless. nothing backing up the token. But, at so, the,
0: but at, if you can get rid of them before the, everybody realizes they're worthless, before the Ponzi collapses.
2: Well, that's what Binance did. Well, that's what Binance. Binance. Binance basically sold off all their tokens, and once they sold off all their tokens, all the collateral and liquidity was gone. And so, why why did Binance do that? Because Sam Bankman fried was having discussions with lawmakers in Washington D.C. to essentially freeze out people like the guy from Binance. <laughs> that's what he was doing
0: <laughs> yeah that's right
2: and the binance guy said screw you I'm, I'm i am I know what
0: you're up to bankman
2: yeah and then that's what's that that's what set all the dominoes going downhill
4: right but if, and,
0: that, if that whole incident doesn't make you skeptic about financial things and everything else oh then there's, there's nothing no, I can do for you there's no there's nothing, nothing I can whatsoever. do to help you just go back you know just go back to sleep pajama person
2: so three billion dollars go out, and at the end of the day, what do they have left? They had six hundred fifty-six thousand
0: dollars in assets. That was it. The Bankman's free, and he's going to be going to New York to be participate in a uh, uh, Rogues Gallery conference with. Did you see Yellen who's on the? And, did you see yeah, who's on yeah, that? I have a, but, yeah, it's amazing. So
2: all of them fit a particular profile, except one guy. Do You know who that
0: guy is? No, Mike Pence. Yeah, what's he doing there, right? <laughs> maybe, Mike, he's involved, maybe he's involved in this stuff more than people realize.
2: I, I, think, I think we're seeing the real Mike Pence, by the way. I think, I think whoever he played the part to be in Trump's administration. Was...
0: Yeah, Mike, are you really going to go on stage with this Bankman guy? Really? None, none of these people are going to say, no, nah, sorry, I don't want to attend. No, nobody wants to be judgmental. Everybody wants to be positive. And th- this is black magic where you get to a point where you can't, cr- you can't criticize or be seen being hateful towards this criminal. Meanwhile, we got to
2: talk about this a little bit though. Meanwhile, you have Kanye West and Kanye West. Have you, have you seen uh, the the debrief, uh, the Kanye West debrief from Mar-a-Lago? Have you seen that? No. All right, I'm going to play this. I want people to see this. So Kanye West went to Mar-a-Lago to meet Trump, and he asked Trump to be yeah. He asked Trump to be his vice president, and Trump saw him. Oh yeah, well they've got a history together, right? So I got to play this. Uh, now, Now keep in mind the guy that he's with is Milo Yiannopoulos yeah yeah who who's he's, who's he's, <laughs> now 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 Kanye Kanye is also hanging out with Nick Fuentes Jeez. who who is uh ba- basically uh like about as you know well first of all he's he's hispanic, but he's about as about as uh, separatist as it gets
0: yeah he's he's never been friendly towards trump. It's been he, no, you no. Know, now at one point he really liked Trump,
2: but but he turned on Trump, right? Um So anyway, I think he, I think he might have brought Nick Fuentes to Mar-a-Lago with him. I right, watched this. This weird is weird
0: story. Wow.
2: Watch this. This this is incredible, actually.
3: I think the thing that Trump was most perturbed about, me asking him to be my vice president, I think that was like lower on the list of things that caught him off guard. It was the fact that I walked in with intelligence. So Trump is really impressed with Nick Fuentes. And Nick Fuentes, unlike so many of the lawyers and so many people that he was left with on his 2020 campaign, he's actually a loyalist. When he didn't know where the lawyers is, You'll still have your lawyer list. And when all the lawyers said, forget it, Trump's done, there are loyalists running up yep. in the White House, right? And my question would be, why, when you had the chance, did you not free the January Sixers? And I came to him as someone who loves Trump, and I said, go and get Cory back. Go and get these people that the media tried to cancel and told you to step away from. He basically gives me this would-be mob-esque kind of story talking to some kid from the south side of Chicago trying to sound mobby or whatever. He goes into the story about all that he went through to get Alice Johnson out of jail and how he didn't do it for Kim, but he did it for me. But then he goes on to say that Kim is a (laughs) and you could tell her I said that. And I was thinking like, that's the mother of my children. Since we know and all the Christians in America that love Trump know that Trump is a conservative, we're going to demand that you hold all policies directly to the Bible. When Trump started basically screaming at me at the table, telling me I was going to lose, I mean, has that ever worked for anyone in history? Tell me, <laughs> You're going to lose. lose. Tell him he's going to lose. I'm like, well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on Trump. You're talking to Yay. <laughs> Crazy. All right, look at
2: look at look at Milo Yiannopoulos's eyes, though. He's like fucking tweaking on something. Look at him. He's got he's he's, got
0: he's gotten rid of the phony uh, blonde hair that he used to have, and he's uh, got he's 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 got he's got that that
2: that grindy tweaker jaw right now. Look at him. him. He's got his eyes rolling back in his head and everything. I mean, look at (laughs) he's he's kind of high as fuck here. Sorry. But is this a story or what? What a bunch, I mean, what a bunch of drama queens. I mean, but you got to admit, though, I mean, Kanye is probably one of the most entertaining people on the planet right now. I mean, he's totally entertaining. Whatever you think of him, he's entertaining. <laughs> and he's going to ask Trump, well, how come you didn't free these people? Like, who else has ever asked Trump that question? Fair question. It's a Very fair question. Right, and then Trump comes back and calls his wife a fucking hoe or a bitch or something. Like Trump that. doesn't have the
0: authority to do anything now. He's not. No, in not, power. not now. No, not now.
2: But Kanye went there to ask Trump if he'd be his vice president, <laughs> <laughs> and Trump saw him, spoke with him, and 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 and, and then now, okay, okay, now he says. He's a big fan and big supporter of Nick Fuentes, right? And it's like, if Trump's critics didn't have enough gasoline already to throw in the fire, oh, Kanye Kanye just gave him the, the petroleum plant right there, right? And it's like,
0: oh. It's, well, by, see, by mentioning Nick Fuentes, he puts, really puts Nick Fuentes on the map. So they've got some kind of a plan for him, apparently. It's, well, so. There, Con- there, has to, there has to be some. There has to be some reason behind this sort of mad behavior so so kanye it's like how would you like how would you like ye to mention you and publicly what can you imagine
2: (laughs) i'd love it actually
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean same me. Uh, i'd love it Uh,
2: yeah so so it's like it's like kanye is putting together like a if this were a comic book it he would be rounding up all of these supposed super villains to be on his like Avengers, right? Because apparently he's having all these conversations with Owen Benjamin too. So Kanye, Owen, Owen Benjamin is
0: pretty good. I like him.
2: So he, 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 Kanye, Owen Benjamin and Nick Fuente, and Milo Yiannopoulos. All right. Th- this is, this is your new truth squad right here. Yeah. Yeah. you ready. You're Get- Get ready. If this there, there's worse. There's worse. It's oh, I think I, I it's listen. Not a bad little crew. Listen, if we're if we're gonna go through Samsara, at least have me entertained. Right. <laughs> at least at least have me entertained through Samsara. Um and uh, upset some apple carts. And I like,
0: all, and they're all sort of uh they're called anti Semites. They're really just kind of borderline critics, but they're right. Right. Yeah, They criticize certain things. They're really not anti-Semites at all, whatever an anti-Semite is. All four characters you mentioned. Right. Well, that's what I'm talking about, right? Although Milo's Jewish. His mother's Jewish. Right.
2: So his father is what? uh, Greek Orthodox or something like that. So, you know, I think Milo, does Milo get the pass? I don't know. Um, Well, listen, Russ, it's been a great show and we've covered a lot of ground today. And I think yeah. Again, the takeaway here is the Freudian foundation for what we would call professional uh, quackery, deviance, and a lot of that being used as cover to build on these other systems, where where people kind of piggyback on accreditation and titles and coming out of a certain tradition, while beneath it all, they're literally run, running these these state sponsored. Programs in experimentation, mind control and torture, and yeah, and, you know, and they, Freud they is kind of the bedrock
0: for that. And the thing is that we have we've been exposing this all along, so we've we've created a body of work already. John Money, Alfred Kinsey, uh, I mean, I can't even remember who we've talked about. A bunch but I of think these guys. That, I
2: think the Freud thing is important because that's, that's a good the, foundation. We probably should have started with that.
0: We should probably should have yeah. started with that, but it spins off into these other characters. That we've already done the work at, work on, so you can listen to our prior shows, right, and get the same tenor because this is what we're doing. We're coming back every month and exposing this type of thing. Well, what well, well, we should well, thrust of our shows,
2: maybe next month we could we could kind of bring it into the present and look at somebody like Harley Pasternak, who is supposedly Kanye's trainer, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and Harley Pasternak. The hell is he? Well,
2: yeah. he he comes out of Canadian military, right? He's got contracts with the Canadian military, d- doing experiments with uh, you know Canadian soldiers on modafinil and a bunch of other stuff. So maybe we could kind of bring this forward and take a look at uh, Harley Pasternak and modern methods of mind control that are still floating around now. Yep. Okay. Well, Russ, I, I certainly hope that uh, you round into shape very quickly, and uh, your life achieves some some homeostasis here. And uh, it's always a pleasure having you once a month.
0: Good to be back and back in the world of the living. So, <laughs> to see you in a month.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, Russ Winter. Find
0: him at Russ Winter
2: Winterwatch. dot net. That's right. It's dot net, right? .net. Watch. Winterwatch.net puts up fresh content on a regular basis. It should be one of the one of the first websites you go to to check out. Um, you know what Russ and his team are putting together there. I know Henry Mack out does. I think it's on his top of the morning list. So I'd put it right there too. Russ, have a great month. We'll be in touch on Twitter, and you take care. Okay. Okay. See ya. Bye bye. All right.
1: The great Russ Winter
2: joining us once again. And we're back here where we should be no longer in exile over on Robert Phoenix and Astro Plus. Anyway, um, I want to thank you for being here today and uh, participating just by watching the show. And we'll be back on Sunday night and a pretty good show lined up for you on Sunday night. We're going to be looking at a number of different things related with conjunctions and how conjunctions are an incredibly important part of astrology. And I'm um, per- particularly going to look at some individuals. We have a, a little third eye thing going on here. Uh, individuals that have some powerful conjunctions in their chart and um, how they play out in their chart. One of is is maybe Donald Trump and the sun Uranus conjunction. And by the way, this is not a a bat bash the Trump show on Sunday night, but I am going to look at the conjunction of Uranus and the sun, particularly the sign of Gemini and have another Uranus Sun Gemini character that we're going to look at, who is very, very different than Trump, but it's worthwhile because the Sun Uranus conjunction is close in the degree of their conjunction. We'll get we'll get into that on Sunday night. Very different kind of persona and a very interesting contrast uh, to Trump's chart. Of course, we'll look at other people as well. We'll look at the chart of the moment and we'll look ahead to Sagittarius. So, you know, for myself and of course the AstroCat over here. He's just giving us a rear end shot. Show the world your handsomeness. Show the world how handsome you are. Oh, he's a little pissed off. Now, are oh, you feeling better now? You feeling better?
1: Yeah, yeah. Do
2: you have anything you want to say, to anybody? before We get out of here. Do you, have anything you want to say? Or are you just gonna? you gonna do kind of the silent effect today? You should be silent. All right, use your head in order to serve what's real, your heart too simple as possible. Don't forget to hit the like button. I never tell people to do that. I watch all these YouTube shows and it's like, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe and pass the show along if you like it. Um, we'll see you guys on Sunday night. And uh, use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart too simple what's possible. For myself, Jasper, and Russ Winter, we wish you a very happy Thanksgiving.